Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Welcome back to step three of our How to Pray series. Whether this is your first time watching or whether you've been gathering with us regularly for a while, there is something in it for you. It may be an encouragement, an instruction, a reminder, or simply an opportunity to carve out some time to refocus your gaze on the person of Jesus. So this series aims to help you cultivate and deepen your prayer life. That's my desire, that, that your relationship with Jesus will grow as you learn how to simply pray. And that's my desire, is to help keep it simple, to help keep it real, and to help you keep it up. Because let's not take something that's so natural, that's part of who we are in our DNA, become something so weird and intense and so religious. This is about a relationship. This is about communication. So I'm basing this series on the book, Pete Gregg's How to Pray, a Simple Guide for Normal People. Great book. Um, and I'm using his acronym, which is PRAY, which is to pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. So we've taken a couple of weeks now to pause. Last week, we focused on rejoicing. So tonight, we're going to be looking at asking. Now, this is probably our most natural form of prayer because ultimately, prayer in its simplest form, in addition to communication, it, it's usually asking for help. Whether it's a mother taking care of her sick child, a soldier begging for courage, or even sports fans asking God to help their team win. We all know and understand prayer to be a form of asking. God, help us. However, because we follow Jesus' teaching and we've taken time to pause and rejoice, this helps take our eyes off of us and to help focus us and create an awareness within us that God is good and that we are loved. And I believe that's the importance of pausing, rejoicing, is to remember who God is. It's not about us and our, our laundry list of requests. It's about remembering who God is and that God is good and that we are loved. And this is so important to remember when we tackle the topic of asking because we have to continually remind ourselves God is good and we are loved. Because asking for help is vulnerable. It, it's risky. I know that I struggle with this and not just in prayer, but also in asking others for help. Because if I ask someone for help and they're unable to help me, well, I have a hard time not taking it personally. I start thinking, why, why don't they want to help me? Don't, don't they like me? I, I, I can interpret it in all these weird ways and read into it that, oh man, they, they don't want to help me. And, and it, is the relationship different than what I had thought? Because I had cared so much that I'd want to help, but our minds just do weird things to us, don't they? But I want to give you a bit of a teaser for next week. 
Because next week, because tonight's topic is so vulnerable, I want to take a moment to pause and I actually want to add an extra week into this series that I wasn't originally going to do, but I want to focus on the topic of unanswered prayers because I think that's sometimes the root of this vulnerability of asking is because what if God doesn't answer? What if, what if he doesn't want to help? What if he doesn't answer in the way that I think he should? So I want to take a week and set aside some space to actually tackle unanswered prayers. So that will be next Saturday. What do we do when our prayers aren't answered or when it seems like God is silent? But first tonight, I want us to focus on the task, the activity of asking. There are two types of asking. The first is for ourselves. This is known as petition. The second type is for others. This is known as intercession. We're kind of minding the gap. We're, we're holding space for, for God's kingdom to come and for others' prayer requests. But for reasons of brevity, I'm going to be focusing primarily on petition tonight. Give us today our daily bread, because I believe this is the foundational building block to get us started. However, my hope is actually to develop an intercessory prayer module, let's call it, into kind of a training exercise as we continue to put together a prayer team and a prayer ministry here at the well. But ultimately, Jesus teaches us and invites us in the Lord's Prayer to ask God for everything, from daily bread to the kingdom come. So I want to draw out three principles that we have to keep in mind when asking God for help. I believe these will help us keep perspective and to stay grounded in our relationship with Jesus because prayer is not wishful thinking. It's not just positive thoughts and it's not just hoping for the best. Prayer is an invitation to step into the presence of the King, the creator of the universe, into the presence of God. So the first principle we have to remember is daily bread means daily bread. Jesus begins his prayer with adoration. He takes a moment to pause and rejoice, but then in the middle, he includes a list of requests, such as, give us today our daily bread. And this notion of daily bread goes back to the Old Testament, when God fed his people in the wilderness with manna that only remained fresh for one day. It wasn't something that they could go gather and store up and build wealth for themselves. They had to rely upon God to provide for them fresh manna day after day. And I believe asking God for our daily bread looks like asking for today's needs rather than tomorrow's wants. You see, God invites us to ask him for the basics, but he doesn't promise to make us millionaires. He doesn't. Health, wealth, prosperity, gospel, whatever you want to call it, that's out the window. That isn't a promise of God. But he does say to ask him for our daily needs. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking God to help provide you with a car to get around, for a job, for perhaps even a good parking spot on a rainy day. Because again, we're invited to ask God for everything, but it doesn't mean we're always going to get it. So I believe that cultivating 
a prayer life in which we ask God for everything helps us become the kind of people who are more aware of God's activity in our midst. It helps enable us to worship him for everything when we're praying about everything. See, when we learn to pray about everything, we also learn to worship him in everything. It's just a natural flow. Now, I'll admit going back to the whole praying for a parking spot thing, I'm a little uneasy telling you to start praying for parking spaces because again, this isn't a magic formula that you get what you want. But I will say this about when you pray for small things in life, including a parking spot you'll start living with greater gratitude. If you only pray about the big, ugly stuff, then one, you're going to miss out on deepening your relationship with Jesus because you're not in this constant dialogue. And secondly, you're going to miss out on many minor miracles that are scattered all around your day. There's a great quote that I still remember when we went through the Alpha program a couple years ago with Nikki Gumbel. And he said, stuff happens when I pray. And then he quoted the Archbishop William Temple, who said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. It's so true. Daily bread means daily bread. I believe that by learning how to simply pray to God for everything and in everything, we embrace our childlike faith and we, we are filled with wonder. Learning to pray for God to God for everything helps us relinquish our sense of entitlement. I deserve that. I've earned that. And instead, we receive each detail as a blessing. And as we do that, I believe it helps enable us to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the second principle we have to remember in asking God for help is you have to ask. Now, I've had many conversations with people about why do we have to ask? And it goes something like this. If God knows everything, if God already knows our needs, then why on earth do I have to ask him for what I need? Well, if you've been gathering with us online for a bit now, you may remember the story of Bartimaeus, which I shared in the series, The Next Right Thing, back in the fall. But the story is found in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, starting in verse 46. And Bartimaeus was a blind beggar who sat on Jericho's streets and he heard Jesus coming and he cried out to him for help. Hearing the commotion, Jesus stopped as everyone else was trying to silence him from crying out to Jesus. But Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What? Isn't this obvious? Lord, he said, I want to see. And so Jesus healed him. You see, I believe this story reveals that it's not enough to sit silently in the crowd wishing for a miracle. Jesus asks us to ask, and he invites us to articulate our specific needs. What do you want me to do for you? And I believe he does this for a few reasons. First, because the act of asking 
is relational in a way that mere wishing is not. Jesus is always more interested in a relationship than he is in simply dispensing gifts. Secondly, actually, sorry, I'm not done that point. If Bartimaeus was healed merely by Jesus passing by, he would have never met Jesus. This way, he actually encountered Jesus and was in Jesus' presence. Secondly, asking is necessary because like I mentioned at the beginning, it's vulnerable. It's risky. To ask is to admit an area of personal need. It's exposing ourselves. But also to ask extends trust toward another person, toward the person being asked. So in other words, asking is an expression of faith. Whether it's asking a friend for a hand, a doctor for a medical diagnosis, or even asking someone to marry you, Acting is an act of faith. And third, asking is intentional. It involves the activation of our wills. We have to choose to do it. We have to be intentional about what it is we want, what we need, what we're asking for. And I believe God respects us too much to take away our free will. And he loves us too much to force things upon us. Jesus comes where he is welcomed, and he often waits to answer until he's called upon. Now, this raises a bit of a tension between free will and God's will. And while we don't have the space or time to really dig into this and do a deep dive into it, and while there's many, many smarter people than me who could articulate this better, I will say this. Things can change. Petitionary prayer, what we're describing tonight, asking God for things, petitioning him for things, it logically means that our fate is not set. We are free to ask, to activate, and advance God's blessing in any given situation by aligning our wills with God's will. As we pray, let your will be done. And while I don't believe we can control God, I do believe that we can influence God through prayer. Let me explain. Richard Foster, who also has written some books on prayer, great books. He says this, we're not locked into a preset deterministic future. Ours is an open, not closed universe. We are co-laborers with God, working with God to determine the outcome of, of events. All this means is that we are free to do terrible things. Just look at the local news. But we are also free to do brilliantly wonderful things, imagining, inventing, and co-creating new realities in and through prayer. But you have to ask. The last principle we have to remember in asking God for help is you have to place your faith in Jesus. Jesus says, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, let's be clear. This is not a magic formula again to get what you want. 
adding in the name of Jesus doesn't give you some kind of extra firepower or a stamp of approval. Like, oh, that was prayed in Jesus' name. No, no, no. There has been a lot of things prayed in Jesus' name. There has been a lot of actions taken in Jesus' name that break his heart. A pastor from New York City recently tweeted, just because someone identifies with the name of Jesus doesn't mean Jesus identifies with them. Matthew 7. Whew. To pray in the name of Jesus means asking for things that are consistent with his character and aligned with his purpose. Pete Gregg writes this, Praying in the name of Jesus means wanting what God wants, aligning our wills with his will, our words with his word, and our personal preferences with his eternal and universal purposes. You see, we can pray in the name of Jesus as we place our faith in the person of Jesus. Like we saw with blind Bartimaeus, it's not wishing, but it's asking and actively addressing specific requests to an actual person. Jesus is alive and active. Jesus is a real person who is present with us. It's not about having faith in faith itself, but instead it's about placing your trust in the person of Jesus who teaches us to pray and who accompanies us as we enter into the presence of the Father. Now, if you're lacking faith at the moment, you're like, ah, oh, it's just, I want it to be there, it's just not there. Let me just say something. It's not something that you can stir up within yourself. Like, all right, I'm gonna have more faith, I'm gonna do it. Faith is found in the person of Jesus. So don't focus on faith, focus on God. Faith is found in the person of Jesus. If you want to trust Jesus more, get to know him more, look at him more, listen to him more, talk to him more, spend more time with him. It's really that simple. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus helps perfect our imperfect faith. We simply need to stay focused on him. It reminds me of the father of the demon-possessed boy in Mark chapter 9 who cries out to Jesus and he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Man, hasn't that been the cry of your heart before? I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Don't focus on faith. Focus on God. Is your faith placed in the person of Jesus? Are you practicing trusting him? And yes, it takes practice. Some days are better than others, but it's also something that gets stronger and comes more naturally the more you practice it. At the beginning of our church planting journey here in Binbrook, whew, I still remember filling out some personality assessments and spiritual gift tests. And I was surprised to see that faith was actually in my top three spiritual gift. And 
Many of you are aware, you know the story, that this wasn't something that I set out to do. I had never said, like, yeah, I'm going to be a church planter, and this is what I want to do. And, and it kind of just came up unexpectedly, surprisingly, and very quickly. So the last thing I felt was that I had faith because I had more questions than I had answers. My head was kind of spinning, and I'm like, okay, I, I, I feel like this is what's, what God wants me to do. But the person who was leading me through the results just looked at me and said, Kevin, you bought a house in Binbrook before you even had a job. You don't think you have faith? I'm like, huh, I, I guess I do have some faith. But at that time, it just seemed that it was so obvious that this is what God was wanting us to do in this, this journey to embark on and what we we're supposed to be doing. But I'll admit that there's other times and much less risky times when I'm too afraid to make a decision and I'm thinking, where's my faith now? I thought I was supposed to have this as a gift. But that's when I have to remind myself to place my faith in Jesus. Keep my eyes fixed upon him. Pete Gregg writes, faith is God's gift to us and faithfulness is ours to him. You know what? This is a lot easier said than done because there are going to be times where you've been praying for weeks, for months, and for years, and it may seem like there are no answers. But even so, we are called to remain faithful. It's impossible to grow in faith without growing in faithfulness. And it's impossible to grow in faithfulness if all your prayers are answered right away. You see some of the, the tension in that? But then there's going to be times where other prayers just won't be answered, no matter how long you persevere. So think of it in terms of a traffic light. Sometimes some of your prayers will be answered instantly. The moment you ask, that's a green light. Other prayers, like I said, they won't be answered. No matter how long you persevere, that's a red light. We're going to explore more of that next week with unanswered prayers. But then there are others. Perhaps probably most of our prayers, if, if I really think about it. But they, they don't really get the immediate green light. But there's also no firm no. These are yellow lights. And yellow lights require us to wait and to persevere. But nevertheless, we keep showing up. We keep praying for our daily bread. We keep asking and we keep placing our faith in Jesus. So I want to close with an exercise from the book. And in it, Pete asks, if an angel turned up tonight to say that your very next prayer will be answered, would you be on your knees praying? I know I would be. Now, he said, how would you respond if you were told by the very same angel that if you prayed daily for 365 days, that your prayer would be answered at the end of those 365 days, would you still do it? I would think so. But the truth is, none of us know how long it's going to take for a particular prayer to be answered. It might take the rest of our lives. 
But what we know for sure is that Jesus tells us to persevere in prayer, not to abandon our cars at every yellow light. We are to, we are to faithfully keep asking until his answer finally comes. I know there are so many stories of parents who pray for their kids day after day after day, only to be discouraged, but they keep persevering. But that, when that moment comes, when God grabs a hold of their life, the joy and the celebration that happens, I even think of my own story. I was living my own way for so long doing my own thing and my mom would confront me on things and we'd just get into it. But then one day, the day that God grabbed a hold of my life and just transformed me from the inside out, when I told my mom the story of what happened, she was like, did you know it was that exact same day that I was praying that you would meet someone? She always wanted me to get married and have kids and <laughs> she was praying that I would meet someone. And God told her, stop praying for him to meet someone and pray that he would fix his relationship with me. And that was the very same day that God grabbed a hold of my life and completely transformed me. That is why you keep persevering. You keep cultivating the faithfulness and you keep putting your faith in Jesus. So let me encourage you once again, to take a next step this week. Set aside dedicated time to, to pause, to rejoice, and to ask God for what you need this week. Start talking to him about everything, whether it's at home or in the car, or even as kids go back to school this week. Continue to pray. Secondly, start a prayer journal. I'm going to link a PDF in the description, whether you're watching on Facebook, Instagram, or, our, or Facebook, YouTube, or our uh, website. But write down some requests and keep track of them. And write down, leave space that you can mark down when they are answered. And there's nothing like it to be able to go back and review it and be like, wow, God answered prayer after prayer after prayer. Third, pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. I encourage you to do it once a day and just get into the habit of praying the Lord's Prayer. And fourth, join us on Zoom on Wednesday morning, February, uh, yeah, Wednesday morning from 7.30 to 8 a.m. Anytime, drop in, uh, you can leave your camera off, you can even leave your mic off and you can simply just sit with us and uh, join in prayer silently, but we'd love to have you. Now, of course, the next step that I care most about is helping you place your faith in Jesus. Have you done that? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Has, have you made him Lord of your life? Are you following him as the true king of the world? And if so, that's awesome. But if not, I'd love to answer any questions you may have. Pray with you as you, you embark on this new journey or even just kind of help get you started into what this might look like. But will you accept him and place your trust in him tonight? There's no better time. He is waiting for that relationship with you. You just have to ask. So let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy is your name. 
Thank you for loving us and desiring to be in a relationship with us. God, I pray that you continue to meet our needs each day. I pray that you help us ask you directly for what we need, whether big or small. And I pray that we'll continue to place our faith in your son, Jesus. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Draw near to us in our questions and our doubts and help us to grow in our faithfulness as we keep our eyes fixed upon you. And for anyone wanting to start their relationship with Jesus tonight or recommit to their relationship with Jesus, just pray with me. There's nothing special about the words I'm about to say, but it's just simply acknowledging him as Lord and Savior. Jesus, I admit that I've been doing things on my own and in my own way. Forgive me. I believe that you came to this earth and died and conquered death to set me free so that I could live a life of joy, of freedom, and of love. God, I confess that I've done wrong. I've messed up. But I want to turn around. Starting today, I want to live my life for you. I ask you now to forgive me. Thank you for your gift of grace and forgiveness. Help me to follow you in all my days ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.